Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading lower this morning as investors set aside a late-session rally on Wall Street overnight. Seoul is down 1.1%. Tokyo is not far behind and the Nikkei is almost down 1%. Sydney trading flat. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle. Let's start this morning with the price of oil, which for the first time in two months fell below 100 US dollars a barrel overnight. West Texas and Brent crude both tumbled as much as 10% as US traders returned from the long 4th of July weekend. The word recession, the R word, seems to be the primary driver behind the sell-off. Phil, what is the latest when it comes to energy markets, Ryan? Yeah, so recessionary fears playing out in markets and being felt in the energy sector. Oil prices under pressure and for the first time in nearly two months, we are seeing oil prices under $100 per barrel. So we are tracking WTI. That dropped as much as over um, 10% at some point to go under $100. So looking at where we are right now, there is a bit of a recovery with WTI training around 101. So we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the day. Brand crude also similar fashion, down to nearly 101, down nearly 8% overnight. So that's also recovering slightly now at around 102. Four. Mm-hmm. So that's a reflection of how the demand outlook has darkened or become more gloomy with the prospects of destruction of the demand coming through. If we get a recession, people will just not need that much oil. So that's just putting pressure on oil prices. Oil prices rallying a bit in Asian trade this morning. Brent crude is back above 105 US dollars per barrel. West Texas trading at around 101. Now, Citigroup has issued a pretty bearish price target for oil, though. If a recession does indeed take hold, Ryan, how far does City think that crude could fall? Yeah, right now we're around 100. City is saying it could go down to 60. So that is if we get a recession, rising unemployment, household and corporate bankruptcies. That will mean commodities demand will fall. And that is a potential scenario that City is painting. And this is what they are seeing based on historical patterns. It's happened before and they think it could happen again. So this is uh, something to watch out for if we do see the economy take a turn for the worse. So first we saw oil prices surging because of supply constraints and concerns about the impact of Russia's war in Ukraine. Now though, these fears are being tempered by a belief that global demand may shrink. Concerns about an economic slowdown, meanwhile, triggered a bout of selling in equity markets in early trade overnight. A late session rally, though, led by tech counters, led the Nasdaq to close up 1.7%. The S&P 500 finished in the green as well. If we take a step back, there seem to be two primary schools of thought here. One is that the biggest fear on the horizon is an economic recession and that demand for products and services will shrink. Two is a fear of rising prices and the impact that inflation will have on consumers and businesses. Both these beliefs are bearish, Ryan, but they also have different implications for stock market strategies. Can you lay that out for us? Yeah, I would describe it one as more offense and the other more defense. So with inflation trades, I would be looking for how some companies might benefit from rising prices. And these could be the likes of commodities or anyone who might see 
the prices play in terms of uh, lift in the bottom line. Um, if you look at the recession trades, these are the companies you'll be looking for in terms of defense. Who can pass on the costs? Who has the bigger economic modes to speak? Now, who will be able to ride out the tougher times more than others? So that would be the kind of subtle nuance that these trades will be deferring in. In the currency markets, the US dollar is strengthening against other major currencies in more than two years. The euro, for example, has fallen to 1.03 versus the greenback. That is the lowest level in nearly 20 years. And some analysts say it may not be long before the euro and the greenback are trading at parity. The headlines say that recession fears are behind the strong demand for the greenback. So do you agree or could it just be higher US interest rates that are driving demand? Yeah, as a whole mix of reasons. And I think underlying it is what's happening with the backdrop, uncertainty. And when that happens, people flock to safe haven assets. And it so happens to be the world's biggest reserve currency, the US dollar. So this typically sees the US dollar enjoy a bit of a boost when we have times of distress, uncertainty. And that's now playing out for the US dollar which is seeing the dollar index up more than 5.7% in the latest second quarter. And that's the best quarter in nearly seven years. So that's something to chew on as we see more uncertainty. And in the backdrop as well is the rising interest rate environment where we are expecting more rate hikes to come through from the FOMC in the coming quarters. Mm. Conversely, we've got a slew of reasons why other currencies are not doing well. You've got gas prices in Europe surging and that is putting pressure on the euro now at two decade lows. And in the UK, the British pound taking a pounding near two year lows right now. And this is off the back of news where you have political uncertainty. Boris Johnson's health minister and finance minister have both quit. You've got the Partygate scandal still playing out. We have no idea if he's still going to be in office tomorrow or next month. So Mm. this is something that is uh, putting a lot of pressure on these various currencies for various reasons. All right. One more note on the topic of recession. We usually define a recession as two consecutive quarters of economic contraction. And by that definition, it may not be long before the U.S. is in one. Its economy shrank 1.6% in the first three months of the year and is on track to shrink again in the second quarter. But defining a recession is actually not quite so straightforward. And it is likely that the economists responsible for calling a recession will not do so when the U.S.'s second quarter economic numbers come out. Why is that? Yeah, so it comes down to technical definitions. So typically when we see two consecutive quarters of um, a contraction, we will call it a technical contraction. But the official declaration is not so clear-cut. When we talk about recession, we think about bad times, job cuts Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But in the backdrop right now is a US economy which is rather resilient in a few indicators. The jobs market is actually stronger than what it has been in the past few years. Uh, So that is actually showing some signs of resiliency. So in that sense, we are not getting the... um, the type of recessionary indicators we've been used to. The US economy has been creating hundreds of thousands of new jobs each month and you have the unemployment rate steady at 3.6%. And the other factor is how it could be skewed on the front of how when we calculate GDP, it is around um, trade deficits. So when you import more, 
you will get a deficit. And that was the case in the first quarter when Americans imported more stuff, uh, more foreign goods to make sure they had enough inventory. So that kind of skewed the GDP numbers as well. So you have to take a lot of things in, into consideration, not just whether things contracted two times in a row uh, before you can really you know, declare we have a recession on the cards. Many moving parts here. Let's turn to corporate news now for a look at Tesla. The stock is trading just shy of $700 US a share. It is down nearly 40% over the past three months. Now, what is interesting here is that Wall Street analysts have just issued two very different forecasts for where the stock is headed. Deutsche Bank is bullish. JP Morgan is not. I want to start with the bearish case. JP Morgan has sliced its target price for Tesla. Why is that? Yeah, so it's on the pessimistic camp where it's looking at shares possibly falling more than 40% on weaker deliveries. And this was what the report over the weekend um, pretty much delivered. We had Tesla saying they saw their first fall in deliveries in two years and those off the back of COVID-19 lockdowns affecting its Chinese factory. We also have problems with supply chains affecting its Texas and Germany factories. Mm. So that could continue to play out. So JP Morgan thinking that's going to be the case. JP Morgan trimming its price target for Tesla. It thinks Tesla could fall another 40%. But Deutsche Bank sees Tesla rallying in the other direction and retaking the $1,100 level. Now, what is their argument? Yeah, so Tesla right now trading at around $700 per share and it is expected by Deutsche Bank to reach $1,100. So really in the other direction by almost the same magnitude. So it is off the back of what it believes will be a sharp recovery, a bit of bargain hunting, a bit of attractive valuations right now, and pretty much a lot of optimism around how Tesla will recover. So it's going to be gazing into the crystal ball and hoping for the best in some sense. Deutsche Bank looking more optimistic than JP Morgan. All right, Ryan, time for your take. So which Wall Street bank do you think has a stronger argument? I will sit on the fence and say (laughs) they both have a good point. And uh, it's going to be tough to call because you really need to know where the economy is going. Do people still want to buy EVs? Do they have the appetite to spend on a car in the coming months with the recessionary backdrop? Or will things improve um, with the various issues um, still in a horizon? The Ukraine war is one of them. You have the COVID-19 situation in China. In fact, We've just seen reports about how we could see a lockdown again. There's mass testing underway in Shanghai and that could be a precursor for another lockdown. So who knows if that could play out again. Two of the least uh, wanted words in this day and age, I think, another lockdown. Uh, For more corporate news, let's turn to a game of up or down. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's start with aviation and the Scandinavian carrier SAS. SAS, that's going to be a down for me. They have filed for bankruptcy. So flights grounded. And I think it's a reflection of what pressure uh, many of these European airlines are facing. Which pressures, Mm -hmm. strikes, and this is just disrupting air travel in Europe. So quite a tough one. If you are traveling to Europe, you have to catch up on all these updates. Scandinavian Airlines has filed for bankruptcy protection in the United States and SAS is warning that a walkout by its pilots is putting the future of the carrier at risk. All right, so SAS is down. What about SIA? SIA, that's going to be an up and it is expecting to reach 
81% of pre-pandemic levels by the end of the year mm. as adding flights to Japan, India and this off the back of strong demand for air travel. That's good news. Singapore Airlines appears to be in a much better position than Scandinavian Airlines. Higher demand is leading SIA to add more flights. It is restoring India services, as you heard, to pre-COVID levels. And overall, it expects to be operating at 81% capacity before the end of the year. That's a great figure, right? It's an up for me. Changi Airport. All right, that's going to be an up for me as well. Everyone wants to travel, at least in this part of the world. So you've got Changi Airport looking at more passengers being handled and they saw 8.9 million of them in the first half and the aviation workforce nearing 80% of pre-COVID levels so that's almost normalising Strong recovery there. Perhaps no surprise if SIA is doing well. Changi Airport is as well. It saw nearly 9 million passengers during the first half of the year. Good to hear its workforce is nearing 80% of its pre-COVID levels. Two more items on today's list. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Outside of aviation, the first is the electronics manufacturer Foxconn. Foxconn on my list. Is it an up or a down? Yeah, this is going to be a up for me uh, is a very interesting one because it is raising its full year outlook on strong tech demand. But the thing is, um, with many of these vendors and suppliers, the supply chain has been quite a big issue. But despite that, it is quite confident of delivering on demand. So it's um, raising its outlook. And this is despite concerns of slowing demand elsewhere as well as rising inflation. It is still looking quite bullish. Foxconn raising its full-year outlook. Demand for electronics is strong. That's a bullish sign. And so an up in my book for Foxconn. An Israeli company is next. It's called Cornet Digital. Okay, Cornet is a down for me. They have slashed their forecast. And this is uh, with the prospects of the outlook just getting a bit more gloomier with uh, its customers just cutting back. Yeah, slashed its forecast for its second quarter. Cornet Digital makes more than a quarter of its revenue from Amazon, but it is cutting its second quarter guidance. That's a worrying sign for e-commerce. Cornet Digital shares are down 20%. I want to turn to Singapore now. First, some economic data. Retail sales here are strong, up nearly 18% in May as compared with a year ago. The property investment market also surged in the first half of the year with nearly double the value of transactions, according to Knight Frank Research. Jardine Cycling led the market lower yesterday. Almost every component of the STI finished in the red despite an update for markets elsewhere in the region. Overall, the STI finished down half a percent at 31.04. What is the picture like this morning? How's the STI trading? Yeah, so we are building on yesterday's picture. So we've got the STI up right now by 0.6%, 3,121. And we have five counters down right now. At the bottom, we've got City Dev lower by 0.6%, Jardine Matheson Holdings down 0.6%, and rounding up the bottom five, Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, Capital Corp and Venture. The other end of the table sees Maple Tree Industrial Trust up 1.9%. And you've got five more up at least 1%. And they are Capital DC REIT, Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust, Ascenders REIT, and DFI Retail Group. So that's the picture we have right now looking promising despite 
the rest of the region uh, in the red right now. All right, let's get you ready for lunch. One last topic before we go. Ryan, did you see that nine new restaurants and hawker stalls in Singapore have made the Michelin Bib Gourmand list? Now, did any catch your eye? Hmm, I am looking at the list. Um, I don't see anyone around my neighborhood, but these uh, are very interesting restaurants for me to check out over the weekend. Ah, I've been to one of these. One Prawn & Co. When they were at Golden Mile, they've got now a standalone restaurant at McPherson. Yes. This is a very good prawn meal restaurant. This is on my list. Rich prawn soup in clay pot, four types of noodles to choose from. Look at Probably the Probably the best I've ever had. Really? Yes. How much is, is a good? bowl? When I was at Golden Mile, it was around five bucks. So okay. I hope it's still around the same price <laughs> after all the accolades. That is where I'm heading. One Pro and Co. McPherson Road. Michelin saying that uh, the Hamey here is really, really good. All right. Thanks for joining us right here in Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.